Welcome to Lost in Translations, I'm your host Michael and I am joined today by Agnes from Beyond the Epilogue and we are talking about The Aviator by Eugene Vodoloskin, translated by Lisa Hayden and this book came out from One World Publications. So thank you for joining me, Agnes. You're a very special guest. (laughs) (laughs) You are actually a real person. Yeah, yeah. I'm just (laughs) not that Latvian friend that you keep talking about, you know, that never never appears anywhere. You seem to be the one that reads the most translated literature out of the people I follow, so I can't help but try to get you to come on (laughs) yeah well i don't know if that's entirely true that i'm that i read like the most translations it's just that i think i talk about them like more like i prioritize them over just you know english books like on my blog i usually just uh you know review translated literature and then if i'm in the mood some english books (laughs) And if you're lucky, some movies. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, well, you read the entire long list for the Man Booker International Prize last year. That's a lot. Yeah, I didn't read all the books, but it's it's the second year that I tried to read as many as I can. And I definitely try to read the short list. I'm planning to do do it again this year, probably, although we don't know what the list will look but you know that's the plan for the moment yeah i'm hoping to do the same but i'm hoping i've read more on the long list that i had last year yeah yeah me too because i actually try to focus on newer releases so i'm hoping that at least some of them make it onto that list yeah did you read the entire atba list or that was probably too difficult No, it's, it was too difficult and just because it's hard to get the books, you know, because yeah, they're all, they're all from the U S and yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's usually just more expensive to get them. So, but I did read uh, quite a bit of, and uh, what I read, I really enjoyed. I think I like that it's a completely different list, usually from the Man Booker International. Like, there's some overlap, but you know, a lot of new stuff. Yeah, I I, th- I think I prefer the list because I hadn't heard of a, a lot more from that list than Limit Man Booker. Yeah, yeah. There's more uh, small press titles, I think. Yeah. yeah, that that's always good, and I think. It was a shorter time frame, so it made it very difficult to read them all. Yeah, that too. Yeah, definitely. What about the National Book Award Translation Prize? Did you read that entire list? <laughs> uh, I tried to read that whole list. I think I read all the all from the short list, but really, I had it was interesting. I had very differing opinions about the books. You yeah, know, like I my think, personal ranking was completely different than what the judges decided. 
I think I tried to read most of it. I probably came close, but I started to get really bored with some of those books that they had. Yeah, and 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 also it's it's weird that like with the Man Booker, usually like there are some books that I you know love there, and then uh, there's others that I you know liked and I can appreciate, but with this year's National Book Award, there were some that I really disliked. <laughs> like the winner. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, didn't, enjoy that I don't one know either. how did that happen that that yeah. that actually won. It was like my least favorite of the whole list. So I don't know. What do I know? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, our literary tastes are different. To yeah. the judges of the prize, although yeah. we have fairly similar tastes in literature, like I like those dark books, and you're Latvian. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> we like a good cry, you know. <laughs> yeah, a nice like doomed love story. <laughs> I do want to know where they came up with the tagline for Latvian literature what's that all about do you know uh, what tagline do you mean I think it's I am introvert oh yeah 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 oh I think that was like a, a whole campaign that they sort of created with all the the like videos and 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 I know t-shirts and something you know something to kind of explain why I think Latvians are kind of you know, seen as, as a, maybe a bit cold, you know, and it's because most people here are kind of introverted. So they kind of made this into a whole, you know, thing. They they made it into this funny kind of joke, maybe a bit. I think I appreciate it because book lovers, we all want to be inside reading instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a very clever campaign. You know, and it got a lot of people's attention. Yeah, I think it was great. In addition and to that, you also are a contributor at Translated Lit. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which, for those who don't know, Translated Lit is a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a resource dedicated to trying to share the news about what's going on in the world of translations, as well as having some reviews and list posts and a few other things like that but like a media site just dedicated to translated literature. Yeah, yeah. Something like Book Riot, but with with a focus on translated yeah. literature. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I personally find like Book Riot and Lit Hub and other places like that have a little bit of a focus, but not much. And yeah. trying to find out what's going on with translated literature could be very difficult. I had a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. You have to kind of search for it. Really, or and yeah, it's nice you have to, to like have s- yeah one one place where where you know everything is dedicated to translated literature. When I started contributing, it was surprising how much news there is going on in the world of translations, and there seems yeah, to be a too. lot more news yeah. stories. <laughs> but there's a lot we're, more prizes than I knew about. Yeah, well, we're in in the prize season, I think. But uh, me too. I was very uh, surprised that we actually didn't have to struggle with, you know, content. <laughs> well, there's still like, more content to bring. I well, think yeah. it's a huge project and hopefully we'll get more contributors helping on that. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I would like to see more, you know, people from around the world 
contributing. Yeah, different voices. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be the key to this success is having different viewpoints and different voices from different places on the world because we get yes, fresh perspectives. Because um, most of these other sites are, you know, American or, you know, British. United Kingdoms, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like for me as an Australian, it's hard to know when a book's released because it's either going to be imported from America or UK or it'll be a an Australian publisher, which sometimes shares the same date as the UK, but not always. Yeah, yeah. It's really like with some books, there's a huge difference, even years. Something has been published like years ago. <laughs> and now it's it's finally published in the UK or the US. Yeah, like one of our publishers here in Australia, Text Publishing, is doing a lot with translations and actually publishing books that aren't being published in the UK and the US. I, I know you did a review of one recently. Yeah, yeah. And I expect that that book uh, will be published in the UK or or in the US like soon. I think. Yeah. I think so. I, w- I was surprised to learn that it was only published in Australia, and I probably got digital rights on Kindle or something. Yeah, and it's the same with that uh, new Korean thriller, The Plotters. Like text yeah. publishing published it, I think last year maybe. Um, and now it's getting all the attention because it's finally getting a UK and US release. Yeah, I think there was that, was it a Taiwanese book? The, it made one of the uh, long lists of, I think it was the main book or international about bicycles. I can't remember what that was called. Yeah, the stolen bicycle. Only, yeah, the stolen bicycle. I think that was yeah. only published via text as well. Oh, that was a very good yeah. book. <laughs> You enjoyed it more than I did, but yeah, yeah. it's nice to see an Australian <laughs> publisher doing a bit of focus. Yeah. I mean, with the world nowadays, it's probably better to be more of a global company, but publishing rights are really weird when it comes to things like this. So it's hard to tell what the best strategy is for publishing. Yeah. I think it's just nice that there are more and more little presses that are you know, being uh, founded for for the reason to, you know, for the for translated literature. Yeah, there's definitely so many great ones as well. It's almost like you can subscribe to their books because you know every book they're going to release is going to be something that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can really trust them more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the subscription service works really well for that kind of small press. Yeah, because with some, I just, you know, end up buying everything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to subscribe to some of them. Yeah, but being here can. in Australia, it gets really expensive. I think a lot of the ones I looked into, it cost more for shipping than it did to subscribe. Well, yeah, that's the problem, you know, with uh, living in Latvia too, you know, the the shipping I would love to, you know, subscribe to many of these small presses, but you know, it gets it gets expensive once you, you know, f- yeah. consider the shipping costs. Uh, you'll just have to start one for Latvian readers. <laughs> yeah, just focusing on Latvian literature, right? <laughs> yeah, I think the Wild Press will probably be in for that. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're doing an amazing job bringing Lithuanian contemporary fiction, you know, to the English speaking market. I think I read uh, The Last Day. It's yep. a short story collection and it was just fantastic. I was actually surprised how, how much I enjoyed it, really. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, just having a look at all their books, it's like, I want all of these books. Yeah, yeah. Like some of them I've, I've heard about, like some of the, those authors, but really I'm not that well-versed in Lithuanian literature. Have they released any Latvian books? Um, you mean Noir Press? Yeah. No, I think th- they're specifically publishing Lithuanian books. Oh, well, I thought they were focusing on Baltic literature. No, no, just Lithuania. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was a uh, focus on the, the whole Baltic. but I love what uh-huh. um, Vagabond Voices is doing. They're bringing books from all three Baltic states, which is, yeah. which is, which is great. I think their lineup is, is really good. And they have a couple coming out this year as well. Really? I didn't know Latvia had published more books than Soviet Milk. Um, I that was well, the only one. <laughs> well, no, no, there's there's more. And actually, uh, I'm glad to see that the Latvian lit and, and Baltic lit in general is getting more attention now. And, yeah, uh, I still have flesh-colored dominoes to read. I need to do that. I think he's got another book coming out soon. Yeah, yeah. I think in May, um, it's called Nakedness by Zygmunt Skuinch. Yeah, he's a very prominent Latvian author, although the books that have been published aren't maybe considered his like most famous work. So hopefully in the future they will publish uh, one of his longer novels. He has a very famous book that's uh, taught in schools okay. here in Latvia. Yeah, and uh, I'm hoping that one will be published. It's kind of a, like a family saga. We follow this family throughout uh, generations and, you know, how their fates are kind of affected with the whole, you know, changes in the country, the historical changes in the country. That sounds interesting. I was wondering yeah. if they picked the books, Flesh Colored Dominoes and Nakedness, because it was probably more accessible for wider audience. Yeah, probably. I think it's easier to convince someone to give you know, a Latvian book a try when it's, you know, 200 pages. You know, it's harder to, you know, um, make people take a chance or something that's 500, 600 pages long. You know, it's a big investment. Especially if I need to know a little bit more about the history of Latvia. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always that thing where the authors, you know, they, they write for maybe their 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 core audience is the people in Latvia that already know a lot. So how do you strike that balance where you have a novel that does have that historical context uh, that maybe you need to know to understand the novel? So how do you, you know, explain things? Yeah, I think it is hard. You said that Soviet built cut out a little bit of that history just to make it a bit more accessible. Was that was that the history of Latvia they cut out, or no? I, it was some um, some parts where they were talking about specific, you know, figures in 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 Latvia, like well known people, poets, 
you know, and I think there was a piece of poetry in the, that book that they didn't leave in because, you know, it, it, it means something maybe to the Latvian audience, but, you know, for the foreign audience, they don't know who this guy is. It's interesting. I don't know where the balance is, but I kind of wish I kept it in. Well, yeah, it's, I think it's always difficult with poetry because... It, it, it's very different usually in the, in the other language, language. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, I always wish I, I knew the language so I could read it in the original. Yeah. Cause it's always, you know, when, when you transfer that into another language, it, it becomes different. You know, especially, it's especially, I think true with poetry. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's, it's, even if it's like a very good translation, it's still, it, it, it loses something, you know, you can't help but wonder what is missing. Is it the lyrical or is it some kind of deeper meaning that's been taken out? Yeah, and I think with, with some poets it, it works better than others. Like some poets really, you know, the the, the special thing about them is how the, the, the word choice, you know, the, the, the lyricism in and with others, maybe with more prose poetry or something, it it, it it works better in translation. Yeah. You also recommended a another Latvian book, Doom 94, to me, which I have to read as well. Yes, that's a very interesting book. I was very glad to see that uh, it was translated into English. It really captures that generation that, you know, was were teenagers in the uh, 90s. You know, and also that transitional period in Latvia and also in all the other, you know, post-Soviet countries. Yeah. The, the dramatic changes they, they went through when, when, you know, the USSR collapsed and now you suddenly had to go to, you know, you have to live in a completely different country. You have to live in a completely different kind of, uh, um, you know, Economic structure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The rise of capitalism, you know. <laughs> yeah, and all the westernization coming in. Yeah, yeah, that too, because there's a lot of pop culture references, specifically Western culture uh, references in that book. You know, the the teenagers are listening to Nirvana and and they're discussing, uh, you know, other like events that they've heard about from from the west i can't wait to read it but it's not an e-reader so i don't know if i'll prioritize it <laughs> yeah it's i i suggest you do read it soon because i think you will love it i know you you love music you're you're a big fan of of you know rock and and metal and uh, that book specifically is about you know metal heads yeah. But with that interesting, you know, context with, in Latvia in the 90s. So it's kind of like the Latvian Vernon subjects? Um, well, they're younger. The people are younger, but kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of a bit like, like that. Yeah, like what I meant was like with the blending of music and pop culture into their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also it has that, you know, dry black humor I, I don't know how that translates into English, but I, I really love that book. Uh, it's one of my favorite books in recent years. And uh, because how it captures that kind of time period, because even though these people are living in the 90s, they're 
you know, it starts when they're around 14. It kind of captures that whole mindset when you're 14, you know, you yeah. kind of feel like you're, you're grown up, but you're not really. That would be interesting. Try to capture that when you've got such a radically changing economic and political system. Yeah. There's also a time, you know, when there were a lot of, you know, because of the chaos, a lot of criminality. And it's, I like how he subverted some of those, you know, tropes about, you know, bandits and, and you know, racketeers and stuff. I, I really like, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, it's very cleverly done. Yeah, I will hopefully get to it sometime this year yeah too many books to read oh yeah almost always always now you picked the aviator for our read this episode yes uh what why what made you pick that one well um i've heard a lot of things about this author and i always wanted to try one of his books and um the Aviator really, you know, drew me in. The, that synopsis uh, uh, says about a man who is born in uh, the 19, 1900s and then he just, you know, wakes up suddenly in 1999. You know, what's that about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just for those who don't know, the author is Eugene Wodolowskin. Wodolowskin, yeah. Yeah, see, this is why we have Latvians on here to pronounce names correctly. (laughs) And this was translated by Lisa Hayden. It was a really interesting book. I've been meaning to check out this guy for ages as well. I think this was his more recent translated book. Yeah, I think um, there was another one that came out recently. Uh, I think it's called Solovyov and Larionov. And uh, it sounds like it's... It's kind of a bit similar, like there's, but because there's two, this time there's two characters from different eras that somehow like connect. Yeah, I don't know that one. I knew his other book, I think it was called Loris or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's about, I yeah. think, 15th century Russia. Yeah, I think that's so very different. A, like, a, <laughs> like a mystic healer in yeah, old Russia. Oh yeah, but I think it, it's it's it should be very good because the author is actually I think a scholar that specializes in that period in in Russia. Yeah, that could be very interesting. Hopefully, bring some good insight onto what life was like back then. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the Aviator? Well, I really loved it. I I, I love how it combined the personal and the historical. I think he manages to introduce so many themes that are, um, you know, uh, pertaining to the Soviet era, but at the same time, it, it never loses focus from the central story. That is the story of this man and Inokenti and his tragic life. Yeah. What I liked about it is everyone seemed so interested in, oh, what was life like under the Soviet, especially during the revolution? And he, yeah. he keeps kind of brushing it off. It's like, yeah, pretty much the same as now. Well, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think that's one of the main points of the book is how he discusses this theme of uh, are, are people really, you know, shaped by the time period that they live in, you know? And yeah. 
to what extent our identities are, you know, dependent on the time period that we live in. Yeah, I got a little bit of a feeling like he was having a dig at the current Russian political as well. Like, we haven't really changed much from the revolution time. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, we see him being, you know, feeling lost at the at this yeah. new time. And he yeah. misses everything, even like the smallest things he feels has have changed like the sounds and 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 you know yeah, the, the smells and, yeah 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 and i loved his yeah. observations of modern like you know 90s russia you know the 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 mind-numbingly dumb tv shows and <laughs> you know <laughs> consumerism the the cult of celebrity you know the the kind of rise of the internet era i, I was really fascinated with how descriptive a picturesque was able to paint all those scenes you've really got a real sense of this character and how he was seeing the world yeah and and i love that he wasn't just reduced to a you know literary device that to you know talk about some historical event but he actually you know the author actually focuses on the smaller in, in seemingly unimportant details you know that that are are the ones that make up someone's life. Yeah. Actually, it's not the yeah. historical events, you know. Yeah. Go I loved on. how, you know, at one point, I think he is talking, you know, Inakenti is talking to Geiger, the the doctor. Yeah. And uh, he he's saying that, you know, the the these historical events like the Russian Revolution are not part of him. It's uh, he became part of that those historical events, you know, there's like a slight difference. This, I love the, this whole like philosophical kind of way that he discussed yeah. these things. What I found is, yeah, he seemed like these events didn't really shape me, but then you look at other people and different Russian, especially Soviet literature, they kind of have a focus of how this event shaped the people in Russia. And it felt like a a really different approach to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I liked how he didn't, like, he had many opportunities to kind of focus on these major historical events. He, he, But they're kind of mentioned in passing almost. I and I kind of like, like that. That's <laughs> Yeah, well, I personally wish he focused a little more on it because I want to know. I didn't live through this era, so I kind of want to know a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that maybe to more, you know, to to Western readers, maybe they want to hear more about this stuff and maybe yeah, like, well, people have, have read this. more about this yeah. era or just, you know, know from their yeah. parents. They, they just <laughs> don't want to hear yeah. that much about it anymore. Yeah, well... Us Westerners probably just have a weird fascination with the Soviet era and just that big change in political landscape and then it collapsing. Well, yeah, it was a huge, you know, experiment. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure you guys and the Russians as well probably don't want to talk too much about it as much as Westerners do. Yeah, but I think it's only now that Westerners really, like, start to understand what actually happened in the Soviet Union. 
you know, there's still a lot of events that are completely new, I think, to Western uh, readers. Yeah, I think the Red Scare kind of made yeah. people automatically think, oh, this is bad. And there was definitely a lot of bad stuff, but it was... Yeah, but also the extent really, of the bad stuff, yeah. you know, like the, every yeah. year you get a new movie or bo- or several books about, you know, the Nazis yeah. and, and the atrocities that they committed. and But you don't get that many books and movies about, you know, the, the, the other side. It, it was interesting to, to see like the whole, how he described like the Solovetsky archipelago. You know, yeah. the kind of the, those labor the camps that were yeah. like in that's before Stalin, you know. Yeah. Like, I think he, well, without giving any spoilers, I think he, he, um, was before Stalin, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. On, uh, on that, yeah, on that a, border. Yeah. It's like, I really don't want to spoil what happens with this guy, but, and what caused him to wake up in 1999. But yeah, I think it, the events of his life before 1999 was, I think, just before Stalin came to power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went was, through everything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, very interesting also how he constantly referenced the, the story of Robinson Crusoe. And, you know, it was Inokenti's, you know favorite book. But it also yeah. becomes this great allegory for the situation that he, you know, finds himself in. And, yeah, of course, he's, he's not shipwrecked, uh, you know, on a deserted island, but he he's cast out of his own time. And, and he's yeah. constantly kind of trying to find a road back, even though, obviously, he had such a hard life, yeah. which is I think is interesting and even how later on he he's trying to find these these connections to the past either through the few remaining witnesses and so even the people who are his enemies kind of become you know special to him he feels yeah. a kind of kinship with them because they were from that time it was really interesting to see how he's just trying to grasp that and even the way he pursued relatives of other people that he knew was more yeah. just a desire to try and get that connection back with the people he knew back in his old life. Yeah, kind of find a road back to the past, really. Yeah. Even though I, it, I think it was interesting how, you know, there are people in his life that point out to him that, you know, it's better now, but he cannot kind of adapt. It, no, he can't. He seems to say things are fairly similar, but he still feels like he's not suited for that era. He's not part of that time. Yeah, I feel like he's disappointed how things turned out, you know, when, yeah. when you know, people achieve this freedom, in, but they created something that, you know, all these things that are that are awful, you know. they What yeah. they did with that freedom, they, they created, you know, yeah. this, all these things that are just, you know, they're not like almost nobody like dies from the, them, but yeah, it, it's almost like they've lost that sense of beauty that they seem to cherish so much in Russian literature and poetry. Yeah, is that looking for beauty in everything that's happening and 
now is in 1999. He doesn't see that happening. Yeah, yeah. No, people are too preoccupied with you no know, earning money. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how to read a contemporary Russian novel because I haven't read that many. You know, usually when when we talk about Russian literature, it's it's about you know Tolstoy or Dostoevsky or you know the classics. So it was yeah. interesting to read uh, a very you know contemporary book, and I, I'm hoping to read more. Um, I'm hoping to explore more of these um, contemporary Russian authors. Yeah, they, they definitely kind of have a similar, unique style of Russian literature, but the different setting, a lot of times they are talking about the Soviet era or something like that or how Russia is still struggling. But I feel like they've still got that same sense of Russian literature and the pride they take in presenting this form of literature. Yeah, I agree. I think you can feel that, you know, the background is there, like the the, the whole, uh, the classics of less Russian literature are there. Like this book sometimes reminded me of uh, Life and Fate by Vasily Grossman. Yeah, you know? and it had a kind of, um, I thought Solzhenitsyn had a kind of a vibe of him in there as well. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, I can't wait to read more from him and definitely more contemporaries. Do you have any recommendations you would give for contemporary Russian literature? Well, um, the first one that came to mind is uh, Tatiana Tolstaya. Um, I recently read her latest uh, collection of short stories. It's been published into English, and it's called Ethereal Worlds, and that was amazing. I think it has that also that kind of Russian, very... the, the this, Kind of cynicism a bit, the the, the dark humor, and um, yeah, I, th- I I think that's a great place to start. Yes, and that's also a episode of this podcast. Yes, I was actually thinking you were going to recommend the Grey Book. Oh well, that's a kind of a different thing, you know. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the first one that came to my mind. Well. I haven't read that in a while, to be honest. So I don't really remember all the details. You know, the the, the the short story collection is very fresh in my mind. But yeah, I think that one is also good, but it's very specific. I wouldn't recommend that book to everyone, you know. Yeah, I had a bit of a struggle trying to read it. <laughs> it's more on that, you know, border between almost, you know, young adult yeah, I think more, I would say middle grade. Yeah, maybe even, yeah. So you but, have to be in the mood to read a book that is, you know, kind of yeah. middle grade, YA. Yeah, I can't think of many contemporary Russian books that I've read. The only other one that I can think of is The Big Green Tent. Yeah. Have you read uh, that one? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't read anything by that, that author, yeah. but... <laughs> I am um, not going to try and pronounce that name because I will probably do terribly at that. Yeah, I don't remember the the author's name. Yeah. Um, I picked it up because they said it was kind of in the tradition of Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, and Pasadet. Well, everything so is compared to Dostoevsky yeah. or Tolstoy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. It's set in the 1950s. 
But it's sad yeah, and it, interesting. It's like set in an orphanage. Hmm. A lot to do with the KGB and Stalin, obviously. Hmm. That's a popular topic. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of any others. I can think of books read, written by non-Russians. Uh, I have some that I haven't read yet, like Viktor Pelevin. He's a very like highly regard, highly regarded Russian author. I think it was there was a poll recently where his book uh, Babylon it was you know considered like the best contemporary Russian novel or something. Yeah. I I, so, I would love to read Babylon sometime. But, yeah, yeah, you know, me it's too. It's just a matter of trying to get to everything. Did you yeah. ever read The Librarian? No, I haven't read that one. I remember oh, you talking cool. about it, <laughs> though. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of ones that I thought. We did read that, uh, oh, man, I wish I remembered the name of it. Was, I think we did a buddy read of a book a couple of years ago, the Ukrainian book. Oh, yes, Voroshilovgrad. Yeah, see, I could never pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an U- Ukrainian book. I think it was yeah. Serhii Zhadan, I think the author was. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I don't that know was an I'd interesting book. It. Yeah, I don't know if I'd re- recommend it, but it's definitely an interesting read. They kind I of think, describe it as trade spotting for post-Soviet. Yeah, and it kind of is, you know, because of the whole, the, the language. And, you know, it, I think I would recommend it to people who enjoy that kind of literature, like Irwin Welsh, yeah. you know. Love is Yeah, 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 <laughs> kind of like that. But it's very disorienting and, you know, you have to concentrate while reading it and you know some people find that difficult you know they just want to enjoy a book yeah well that's true yeah man i can't believe that that was 2016 we read that yeah yeah i think that was shortly uh after i started booktubing yeah yeah shortly after you quit booktubing too <laughs> I quit constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. I do one with video and then I quit again. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to get that motivation back to do it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I feel more confident about uh, my blog. Like it, it, like, it brings me more joy to yeah. write reviews. Yeah. And your blog's great. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. And thank you. Bookstagram as well, which you've really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. I'm new to that. And obviously we'll like translated let which you write for and hopefully we'll write more for. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. So how does podcasting compare to booktube? Um, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're actually out the first person I've got on the podcast that English is your second language, which yeah, so, so there's going to be a big difference, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think it would be great. <laughs> well, thanks. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that more people, you know, you get more people that whose English isn't that good on the podcast. <laughs> now that we've got you on here, we can send them your way to tell them that it's easier than BookTube because there are a few BookTubers out there that because they're so used to talking about books. And I'd love to get on here. 
Yeah, also, I think international like booktubers deserve more attention, you know, because generally yeah. uh, there is this language barrier that maybe people, you know, they, they don't want to watch because you know, people struggling to speak English. But I feel like a lot of them read really interesting books and have, you know, a lot of things to say. Yeah, they have great insight. And I think yeah, kind of their personal experiences and the political system in the country and all that kind of leads to more interesting discussions about books. Yeah. They've yeah. got a different viewpoint than the same Westerners talking about the same books. Yes, definitely. I think it's also amazing that there's this opportunity to talk to people, you know, from all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, I, I find doing this podcast a lot easier than doing videos. So hopefully we can convince more people to become guests on here. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that stressful, is it? No, it isn't, you know. Maybe just, in the just beginning. Leading up to the, yeah. Once, <laughs> once you've done one, it, it's now you know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to come back, you know, maybe we'll read start, a Baltic lit book. <laughs> yeah, we'll start picking a book for next time. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us to discuss this. I'm glad well, thank you, you for having finally me. got a chance to, yeah. Thank you. And I will leave links to all the books we mentioned and your social media and your blog. Thank you. If you want to support Lost in Translations, please go to patreon.com forward slash translations pod and all money there will help support the show. And please remember to subscribe. And while subscribing, please rate the show. This will help others find the podcast. All our links to social media are in the show notes and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Litzy under Translations Pod. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Walgarukabar and Bindal people. We acknowledge their ownership of this land and all the traditional owners in Australia and acknowledge their care of the land. This is a Macaulay Flower production.